Hello and welcome to another episode of My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. I'm Dr. Richard McKinnon, chartered psychologist and coach, and I'm joined by my co-host, Pilar Orti. Pilar, how are you doing today? I am very well, Richard. I am ready to have an excellent conversation with you. <laughs> I love how you assume it's going to be excellent. I hope I can live up to that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure listeners will uh, will agree that, uh, well, any conversation with you is uh, is excellent. And also it is what we make of it too. It, absolutely. Absolutely. Um so thinking of our listeners, what are we here for today? Well, last time we looked at this whole idea, this whole theme of the difficult conversations we have at work and how our focus can lead us to either avoid those conversations or the way we respond, we might even make them more difficult. Well, today we're going to look at a related topic, the importance of our self-awareness. And our self-awareness could contribute to make one of these difficult conversations even more difficult. And this concept sits at the very heart of all development activity, whether it's coaching or training or personal development. So much of this is related to an awareness of who we are and what we have and what we can do. And so therefore, it's really big. It's a huge topic. So we're going to split it across a few episodes. And um, spoiler, uh, this time around, we'll look at the concept and why it can be hard to be self-aware. Mm. And then in the next episode, we'll look at some simple ways that we can work on developing our self-awareness. And in the third episode in this little series, I'll have a guest who will, with me, explore um, some more very focused methods that we can use to boost our self-awareness. How does that sound, Pilar? Meaty. <laughs> there is a lot, isn't there? Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And, you know, we're kind of artificially putting a boundary around this. As I said, it, it relates to so many other things, but it's often uh, challenging to discuss. It's challenging to think about. And so I want to give our listeners some jumping off points so they can find out more about it and reflect more on it for themselves and make links to, you know, what's really important to them. But first, a reminder that if you missed our recent webinar on loneliness and interpersonal connection at work, the recording is now available on our YouTube channel. I'm going to put the link to the exact video in the show notes, but uh, by way of reminder, you can find all of the videos um, at the very simple link, worklifepsych.tv. And all of the resources mentioned in this webinar are located on our website at worklifepsych.com slash connect and thrive. That's the name of the campaign. And it includes our connect and thrive guide, which is free, which I co-authored with Dr. Sarah Wright. And then you can listen to the interview um, where I spoke with Sarah, talks a lot more about loneliness and the science of loneliness and how it can impact our well-being back in episode 135 of this very podcast. Final piece of news for you on a very related note. I was recently interviewed on the World of Work podcast all about this campaign and I had a great conversation with James, uh, the host. So I'll put a link to that in our show notes as well. It's one of those topics people seem to be quite interested in. It's part of being a human being, and yet there are things we can do about it. So it was great to get the message out on someone else's podcast as well. Mm. 
So let's talk about self-awareness. I mean, for me, when I started thinking about this, this fits in the similar bucket to let's think about our thinking. It's very meta. It's very, oh, hold on. What is self-awareness? So maybe let's start with that. It's an awareness of who we are in context, an awareness of all of the things that make us who we are, but then using that awareness effectively. Um, so not just knowing what our strengths are and then using them mindlessly or automatically, not just knowing what our development areas might be and then shying away from opportunities to develop, but knowing things about us and then using those things, those aspects of self in, in the context we're actually in so that we can be more like the kind of person that we want to be. So it is awareness, but it's then using that awareness helpfully. Does that make sense so far? Yes. And I have to add that I am someone who thinks a lot about self-awareness. No, no, let me rephrase. I don't think a lot about it. I I try to be self-aware and I try to think about how I am as a person, how I behave. But actually, I think the in-context part is something that I've become more aware of recently, mm-hmm. that I need to understand the context and so so that so that I can be aware of how I'm coming into that context because I am different depending on the context. So that's another mm-hmm. dimension. Anyway, yes, you can see it is very meta. <laughs> it, it, it takes reflection. And, you know, next time we'll talk about how regular reflection can help us boost, develop, grow our self-awareness. But the point of context is so key to this. And I'll give you a really simple example. Um, you know, if, if you if you meet someone at a conference at a networking event and you find out that they are an expert in the topic of the conference um you might really enjoy listening to them talk about what they know and their expertise or if they're not really paying attention to you they might you know drop information on you that is far too advanced and beyond your understanding and in the context they're in, they're not paying attention to who they're speaking with. And so they could leave you confused, demotivated, or a bit bored, to be mm-hmm. honest. And so it, it's about taking our knowledge and our experience, but then also paying attention to now so that we can gauge how much of that information we could or should share with the people around us. And that is why context is so important. So there's a whole multitude of things that make us who we are. And, um, you know, we, we talked about self, uh, self-concept previously on this show and how we can't really accurately get our arms around the whole self-concept all the time. We sort of pick pieces from it, um, parts of our identity. But, but in addition to that, we have skills, we have abilities, and our awareness of how developed those skills are we have acquired knowledge over time. We have a personality. We have values. We have our entire lived experience up to this moment right now. We experience emotionals. We're, we're, we're emotional creatures. There's our behavior and our, our repertoire of behaviors. There's all the stuff that we could call thinking. And then there's everything physical, our biology and our physiology. And so there's an awful lot that could um, grab our attention 
am I aware of what kind of personality preferences I have in this particular uh, context? Am I really aware of the knowledge I'm bringing to the table in this meeting with these people? Am I aware of and compassionate about the fact that I, you know, flush in my face and neck when I have to stand up in front of the team? Um, and I, do I know where that comes from? So it's using this stuff and also maybe normalizing this stuff so that the awareness of self doesn't get in the way of us doing what really matters. So quite a few things to juggle there. And that's why it's helpful uh, to, to, to view this as an ongoing area of focus, an ongoing thing for us to reflect on. Because I would argue that there's no point at which we go, done, self-awareness, sorted, I, I've achieved that. Does that make sense? Yeah, and also if context is so important and context changes our self-awareness and who we are, we'll, we'll change all those things you've, you've mentioned. Um, and I think the, the point that stuck with me was because as we were, as you were going, as you were listing all the different things, I was thinking that could really get in the way. And then you mentioned, how do we do this? How uh, can we be aware of these things in a way that is helpful and the self-awareness doesn't take over basically? Mm. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. And I'm sure listeners are thinking of examples right now of other people, because <laughs> that's always easier, um, where maybe their behavior, their reactions, their um, emotional expression has been unhelpful. And maybe they're wondering, are they even aware that they do that? Are they aware that they talk over people when they're excited? Are they aware that they, um, you know, the, the fact that they walk around when they're on the phone in the office uh, might help them think, but it doesn't really help the rest of us when we're trying to concentrate. So it can be the very mundane day-to-day -day stuff all the way through to actually, are you aware of your own potential? And are you holding yourself back because you're listening too much to the unhelpful thoughts about your potential versus paying attention to the opportunities around you and what people are actually saying about your ability and your potential. So it can have quite uh, a big, significant impact on our, um, on our lives, our professional lives, obviously, which is what we talk about all the time, but also outside of work. Self-awareness is helpful for, for all of our relationships, all of our activities, all of our, our passions. So, it's when we understand why we think and behave how we do. And then we use that insight to moderate our responses to what's happening around us. So that's all about the, we're choosing how to show up because we know about ourselves. We're using skills and strengths with intention. We're allowing ourselves to respond flexibly, uh, depending on what's happening rather than automatically or only in a way that's easy for us or comfortable for us. Self-awareness really helps us step out of that comfort zone when it's necessary or helpful. So the big unspoken word here is, is work. This requires work on our part, but it's really helpful to put the investment in because it allows us to be more like the kind of person that we would like to be. That's why it's really core to development work, whether it's one-to-one -one coaching or, or anything else, or just your ongoing personal development, your self-development. Knowing who you are, what makes you, you, that's really the foundations of deciding what will I do with that? What do I need to work on? How can I utilize these strengths? 
um, how might I moderate my reactions in different situations. That's really at the core of all of this stuff. So taking the time to learn more about you is really, really important, but it's difficult. Um, it does represent a challenge. And I think a, a very important thing to point out at this um, juncture is that it's not binary, right? It, it's not helpful to think of it as a binary thing. People often talk about it in that way. They might say, oh, he has no self-awareness or she's not self-aware. But actually, if we think of it about all of the aspects of us, we might have lower awareness about something and higher awareness about something else. We might be really familiar with one aspect of our behavior and that we might be completely unaware of something that trips us up regularly and leads to conflict or disagreements and things like that. So I would hate for anyone to listen to this and think, oh, I'm, I'm not a self-aware person, but rather there might be aspects of me that it's useful to reflect on in more detail. And there's aspects of me that I'm really, really clear on. But before we go into that in a bit more detail, it's difficult, it's work. So why would we do it? <laughs> what are the benefits of working on our self-awareness? What do you think, PLR? What would be a benefit for you to work on an area of your self-awareness? Well, it's relationships for me. Okay. It's about how I show up with uh, with others. Yeah, mm. uh, what is helpful, what is not, uh, and yes, how I show up for other people. That's really nice, and this is a very important point about this. You know, next time we'll talk about some of these things that we can do. It's important to have a rationale for that. Why would I put the work in? Why is it? Why is it a useful thing to do? I mean, when we reflect and we think about our own reactions and behavior and all of that stuff. We can learn from experience. And this helps us avoid the, the trap of, well, that's just who I am, and people are going to have to put up with it, rather that actually the way I responded there didn't get me the result I was looking for. It wasn't helpful. What can I learn from that? Or maybe that was a good result. How can I replicate that? in other situations. So really, really learning from our experience, both the things we don't want to experience again and the, the stuff we want more of, really helps us notice and maybe normalize trends in our emotion. So if we're reflecting on who we are in different contexts and how we show up, we might normalize, for example, uh, the nerves we feel before an important event. And we might normalize the fact that um, it leads to certain silly behaviors like, um, oh, I, I really need another glass of water before I go in and talk to these people. I um, have to tap my knee three times as I'm sitting here. That'll help me you know, get back in the moment. And just noticing this stuff and saying, okay, that's, that's part of who I am, but that's not the same as I noticed the nerves and now I'm going to run in the opposite direction. So we're noticing trends over time. As you said, with regard to context, it's constantly changing. So the more we know about ourselves, the more we're going to be able to adapt to changing environments around us, whether that's new people on the team or a whole new career trajectory. The more we know about ourselves, the more we can adapt to that in a way that's helpful and sustainable. Now, something we've talked about uh, quite a bit um, a while back was this concept of career 
derailment. And, you know, that relates to that changing environment when, when we don't adapt and when we've maybe overused our strengths. So the more self-aware we are, the more we're able to moderate the use of those strengths and maybe lean into less developed areas when the situation requires it. And that is, you know, a very, very important point to this derailment uh, experience. To know yourself um, gives you the insight so that you can uh, moderate and adapt and um, show up differently depending on what's required of you rather than barreling through reusing and overusing those key strengths. Richard, can you just say a little bit more about the overuse of strengths? Uh, and I mean, I think I understand how the self-awareness comes into it, being aware of one, what our strengths are. And then, but I think that I, ah, yeah, more about that overusing of sure. strengths. I, I share um, the same example all the time. So for example, if someone is particularly conscientious, you know, they really um, think it's important and are good at looking at the detail and meeting the deadlines and following the process. And they've been rewarded for this and they've been recognized as a conscientious team member. So knowing that about yourself is great, but also knowing that when you're under a lot of pressure, you really lean into being conscientious and you get more into the detail mm. and more adhering to the process when actually the context might be telling you, now is the time for good enough because there's such a backlog of things to do. And if you just keep being more and more conscientious, it will lead to problems, either with how you're managing your workload or managing your relationships or the impact you're having on other people. And after a while, that formerly helpful conscientious focus will now look like maybe micromanagement or inflexibility. It's the same strength, but the context around you has changed and you haven't noticed or haven't been um, clear with yourself and honest with yourself that it's the easy thing to do to become more conscientious, but it's not necessarily the helpful thing to do. Does that one make sense yes, as completely. an example? Mm. Yeah, 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 totally. It's, it's painful. You know, and, 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 and it can be upsetting, you know, yeah. well done for being like this all the, all these years. Now we suddenly need you to change, but you know, you said that that was my strength. So, um, this is a core part of realizing that strengths are strengths in context, not in absolute terms. Um, self-awareness and, and working on this self-knowledge allows us to um, work on aligning our values and our behavior, bringing those values to life more consistently so we can do more of this stuff that really matters to us and not shy away from difficulty, challenge, or just that simple discomfort of, of maybe new things or changes. Um, it, it really allows us to have a healthier relationship with our thoughts and emotions. If we see these in terms of patterns of things that arise in different contexts, we don't have to take our cue for behavior from them. We can just see them as, well, that's how, that's how I am. I always get these flashes of self-doubt, but um, it passes and I can just carry on with what I'm doing. That, that it allows us to keep going in the direction of what's important to us. And related to, but not the same as avoiding derailment, we can navigate day-to-day -day challenges in a more sustainable way. 
one that is not going to be to the detriment of our well-being or put a strain on our relationships or um, engage in coping strategies that are simply you know, unhelpful in the longer term because we know more about ourselves. We know what's helpful for us. We know what maybe is easy for us. We know what we value. We know the kind of person that we want to be. And so we can sidestep a lot of these things. This is in no way a finite list of all the reasons why it's important. But I think listeners could be able to extrapolate from this and see for themselves, if I reflect a little bit more on me and how I show up, I might be able to find new ways of navigating this stuff and being truer to the vision I have for myself. And there's a really important part of this um, that we often explore in personal development contexts, which is the extent to which you know something about yourself and how much others know about these same things. So there's self-awareness and how much others are aware. And this, this opens up a whole basket of things for us to look at because you know we don't know what's going on inside someone else's mind. We can look at their behavior and we might judge that behavior. We might categorize it. Or we might fill in the gaps in our own understanding by creating some kind of complex backstory that helps us understand why they are the way they are. But actually, we don't know what's going on for them. And their behavior, if we don't think it's a good fit for the situation, well, the very root of that could be they don't know this about themselves. I'll be really open. It could be they do know this about themselves and they don't care what you think. But a, a more compassionate interpretation is they don't realize this about themselves. So there's a, a, a tool, a model. It's a really simple thing that we sometimes use in these uh, situations uh, called the Johari window. And this doesn't make for great podcast content because it's a, it's a visual, <laughs> but it's just four boxes. And these four boxes allow us to explore things that are known and unknown to ourselves and to others. And maybe as we walk through this briefly, um, you could think, listeners, you could think about yourself in these terms. When it comes to you, what is it that you know and others know about you? So this first box is often referred to as the open self. I know this about me and others know this about me. Now, what could fit in there? It could be I know one of my values is compassion and the people that know me well know that too because they've seen me behave with compassion. That could be in there. It could be um, this is an aspect of my um, career. This is a skill. This is a qualification. It's known to me. It's known to others. Um, it could be this is an episode in my life that was difficult. Uh, this was something I went through at work that was very, very challenging for me. I know about this and the people close to me know it too. So knowing what you know about yourself and what others know about you, really helpful because it helps you understand how much of this have I spoken about, displayed, acted out, related to others. This is often the easy place to start. Then we've got what's often called the hidden self. This is stuff you know about yourself, but others don't know. So this could be career aspirations. It could be your values if you're not bringing some of them to life or you haven't talked about what matters to you. It could be motivational factors, the stuff that 
gets you out of bed and gets you into work, but others don't know that about you yet. Maybe because you haven't signposted it or explained it you know, to your manager. So things that we do know authentically about ourselves, but others don't know it. And I always say yet, because we may choose to share it. Now, the, the third uh, is often called the blind self. Um, this is something about us that's known to other people, but it's hidden to us. How could that be? How could it be something that other people know about us and we don't? Any thoughts on that one, Pilar? I've got an example. Ooh, <laughs> love an example. Yes, and it, it's a very simple example, but I remember many, many years ago when I, I used to run a theater company and we were once sitting around the table doing, doing a production meeting and I was, uh, and, I, and we were talking and somebody was explaining something and then they went, Pilar, you're frowning. <laughs> so you're not agreeing with me. And I think there's a very simple example of something that it was my physical self-awareness that I was, well, it, it, I was not being physically aware of what I was doing, but mm. they had picked up that when I did that, it meant X. It wasn't just that I was frowning and they were generalizing. They actually knew me and they knew that face. I didn't know I was doing that. So that, that is uh, quite an interest. So that then went into the open self. I imagine. <laughs> it's known exactly once it's open and discussed and you get a chance to think about why might that be? Why might I do that? Where does it come from? That's a really nice, uh, simple example. It could be, um, I was thinking of an example where a manager regularly, when under pressure, cancels one-to-ones and mm. focuses on their own workload. And they don't realize, now other people can see it because the things are disappearing from their calendar, and they don't realize that um, when under pressure, they're just reverting to a focus on their own priorities and neglecting the well-being, the priorities, the development of the people that work for them. And this is an example where it's really obvious to others, but the, the core uh, reasoning for it uh, might be a story the manager tells to themselves, but really it's about, I need to get my stuff done because I don't have time to talk to you people. Now, this is often um, a, a naughty problem to unravel, but is a good fit for uh, coaching conversations where you know someone's had feedback mm. and we're exploring and trying to move beyond the outright rejection of that feedback. That can't be true. That's not me. That's not who I am. And talk about, well, let's look at the consistency of the feedback and, and, and what that might represent. And let's explore those episodes and where you were coming from and what might that, you know, have led to. But moving beyond a very categorical true, not true to why might people see that in you? Why might they be arriving at that conclusion about your behavior? And that is a very uh, difficult spot to be in. There, there is a flip side, though, which is a really positive one that, you know, others know that you're an excellent manager and you don't believe that about yourself. You're racked with self-doubt. You think you're one day away from getting fired because you really don't authentically believe that you um, can manage others well. 
So again, an, a flip side where actually it's not that you don't have these capabilities and that you're having a bad impact on others. It's like you don't really believe it yourself, but it's there for others to see. Feedback is something we'll return to next time. Feedback is so important for developing our self-awareness. And then we've got this final box in our four boxes, the unknown self. Now, I've been using these labels. They're often used in very different ways, depending on who is using this Johari window tool and how they're um, facilitating with it. But this final one is, is basically others don't know this about you and you don't know it about yourself. So this is our unknown unknowns, but it's really things like you might be able to do this but it's not come up yet. So no one's had an opportunity to see you do it. You're not sure if you could do it. Or you've picked up um, habits and you don't realize you're living those habits. And maybe you're working remotely and no one has had the opportunity to see these habits and the impact that they have on your working day. These could be much deeper aspects of our um, self-concept. And we don't realize that we're holding on to them quite tightly and we don't speak about them um, because maybe we we feel they're they're threatened and we don't realize that that's having an impact on our behavior and other people don't realize that too maybe because we've developed a very intricate persona that we're presenting and that's a lot of work but we don't really know why we're doing it we're not totally open and honest with ourselves and because it's so well done other people don't know that about us either so in addition to reflecting on what makes us us and how we can use that information, it's helpful to understand how much of that other people know and how we can use what other people know about us because um, the other people um, are the ones who get to see us from another perspective. And that's, that's mental work for us. You know, to imagine things from another perspective is difficult. But if we can get that from someone else, I saw you do X, it had this impact. Well, then we have more information to work with. So there's an awful lot of advantages to investing some time and effort in this. Um, but why aren't we all super uh, self-aware all the time? Why is it difficult for us to do this? Any thoughts, Pilar? Well, one is uh, time and space to reflect. The other one, I think, is uh, being able to get talking about the, especially the hidden self, being able to get that feedback, that's difficult. Sometimes it's not possible. Sometimes other people are not aware also of what we're doing. So mm -hmm. I, there's, um, yes, there's a lot of stuff. That, that um, known to me, not known to you, or known to you, not known to me, mm -hmm. can be uncomfortable to talk about. We need a certain level of vulnerability to be able to do that. We also need to be objective. That's difficult. You know, if we want to listen to others and what they've witnessed us say and do, it's very easy for us to respond to that with um, emotional rationales, excuses. But actually, if we're objective, we can say, yes, I could improve on how I do that. Or you know, the flip side, okay, I acknowledge that was great. I did well there. It doesn't feel comfortable to say that, but yes, okay, I admit it. I think I did quite well in that project or, or whatever. And we really need to be honest with ourselves. You know, we, we've talked previously about how our self-concept can be described as 
the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves. And often some of those stories are really, or over time, they have drifted from accuracy. And so if we're honest with ourselves, we can be honest in terms of uh, how helpful is this? How, how, how representative of my values is this? How, um, how proud am I of that behavior? And then being able to explore the other side of the strengths. That's difficult, particularly if it's something that's very core to how we see ourselves. You know, I'm a very methodical and structured person. Why could anyone want me to be any other way? Or I'm a super creative and conceptual uh, ideas person. Why would anyone require me to get down to practicalities? Well, the flip side of all of our strengths um, can be useful depending on the context. And especially when we've had feedback about performance and behavior, it's very important for us to take ownership of our behavior because our behavior is within our control. And this helps us move along that journey of, well, it's not my fault, it's who I am, through to, um, it wasn't helpful for me to do that, and I'll do better next time. My behavior was a function of me, not you. And it's difficult because the view we hold of ourselves is difficult to change. You know, it takes effort. It's definitely not impossible, but that requires us to take a different perspective, to loosen up our view of ourselves, to see possibilities, to see how some of those aspects are no longer helpful for us to emphasize, how some of them are no longer relevant, and how some of them might be getting in the way of us being uh, the kind of person we'd like to be in this moment, in this context that we're in. So, you know, this is to help all of us realize that becoming more self-aware isn't like ticking a box or clicking our fingers. It's challenging for us because of the ways our minds operate, but it's worth it. And I think that's the thing I'd love ringing in your ears as we wrap up this episode. It's really worth it, but think about the why for you. Why would you like to become more self-aware about aspects of you? What is in it for you and for the people around you? Pilar, ne next time we're going to look at how we do this. Mm. You've seen it's a really big, <laughs> really yes. big topic. <laughs> but really um, any final thoughts or questions to throw in before we wrap up this episode? You know, I have something, but I'm going to keep it for the next one because oh, like it's it. it's a realization. So I think it goes quite well in how do we build that self-awareness. Excellent. So remember that <laughs> <laughs> for next time. Uh, listeners, thanks for joining us. You know, you can always get in touch with us with your questions, um, especially about something as conceptual as this. I'd really love to hear from you if your questions are about how do I make this real? How do I turn this into things we can do in the everyday? You can uh, send us an email, uh, podcast at worklifepsych.com. Uh, you can find us on all the social challenges of Work Life Psych. Um, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you. We love to hear from our listeners. But for now, thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading this episode of My Pocket Psych. To get in touch with questions and feedback, you can tweet us at WorkLifePsych or leave us a message on the contact form at www.worklifepsych.com contact. Thanks for listening.